Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 29th official episode. Let's get right into it, talking about Jimmer Fredette and his NBA return. The return. Who would have thought? I mean, he's been going for it for the last, you know, pretty much ever since he left the NBA. After, you know, going off in China, averaging close to 40 points per game, and basically becoming a Chinese legend. I love that man so much. And also, he dropped, like, a large point total against the Rockets in some preseason basketball. So that sort of put his name back in the headlines. And and I guess sort of caught the eyes of some GMs. Um, But... In my personal opinion, I think that his past—I guess sort of his his past in the NBA—will sort of repeat itself, and, and I think there's sort of a few key reasons to that. Basically, the main one being that Jimmer Fredette, whether it be in college, whether it be in China, sort of always needs the ball in his hands, and he needs to be that guy to put up big numbers and to be very successful and to play the kind of game that he has, he basically needs the ball at all times and for everything to run through him. He basically plays like an NBA superstar, like a James Harden or something like that, except he's not quite that good. And I think that that's very clear. Yeah. Like they, the, the Suns right, right now are desperate for a point guard and they really need a role player. They don't need a guy who plays like a superstar, but isn't. Well, okay. Talking about the Suns first. Yeah. I love when teams like like our Knicks do this all the time I love when teams who are super bad and just have limited talent they just go and they pick up someone who has like a super high ceiling but didn't work out um you see this in the Knicks with Mario Hazonia Manuel Moutier like a lot of our starting lineup and a lot of our bench Trey Burke I feel like a kind of a lot of the, the Knicks lineup as a whole is sort of journeymen that have no, sort of found we, their way the to... New, the New York Knicks have the most lottery, like former lottery picks or former top 10 picks on mm. one roster because we get like all the bad ones <laughs> that didn't work out and it's great. But anyways, uh, talking about Jimmer Fredette, I think I like that, that the Suns did this because it's really a why not situation because the Suns have minutes to give out to anyone who could be a part of their long-term future. Um, they don't want to give it to someone who's not going to help them because they're they're not playing for anything and who knows there if there's a three percent chance that jimmer fredette comes back into the nba and all of a sudden he's really good for you or even he's serviceable for then you. it was worth that yeah, risk yeah, like because yeah. literally the suns are playing for zero and if i think he's bad it helps you get the first overall pick yeah. it doesn't matter i think it's also very important to recognize like this is a team that went from that triple headed point guard monster with like um, Eric Bledsoe, and then who and Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and then kind of like when Eric Bledsoe requested a trade and Goran Dragic ended up on the Miami Heat, like all of a sudden they went from three point guards to zero and kind now of have been running that. like Devin Booker at point guard, which like is okay, but no, I think it's very honestly, clear to it, us that like... No, it's not okay because like they don't pass the ball well. And they also yeah. don't give DeAndre Jordan the ball, or and, DeAndre Ayton the ball. But here's, that sort of ties into my which problem, is, which is that, like, Jimmer Fredette... Also won't get DeAndre Ayton the ball. Not even that he <laughs> won't get DeAndre Ayton the ball, because I do think that 
Jimmer Frida is actually a good playmaker and that he's actually not bad at like setting up his teammates. The thing is that so much of your offense has to run through Jimmer Fredette that like, is anybody else on the team going to develop as a playmaker themselves? Like Devin Booker is going to turn into like a spot up shooter. Devin Booker, or sorry, okay, DeAndre Aiden is going to turn exact. into like a sit on the low block and wait for like a feed, you know, but a role running center. Yeah. I, and I just, center. I just think like either Jimmer Fredette's I think that's pretty a bit much of an trash. exaggeration. You, like, you're you're like, acting like James. You're acting like he plays like James Harden. That, but the thing is, he doesn't play exactly like James Harden. No, but the reason that he failed in the NBA in the first place is that his style of play is perfectly suited for having the ball in his hands at all times and everything running through him, whether it be passing to the guy who scores or whether it be popping a three from thirty feet himself. Also, because he's a shooting guard who's six two. Who that's yeah that's to play point guard and I, I think like like he's just and he's, he's unathletic he's, he's and who can't defend primarily a scorer and he's got the playmaking ability but also the same thing the same time like for Jimmer Fredette to be successful at every level of his career he has had to ha- be the guy with the ball in his hands at all times and if that's going to happen if it's going to be either either basically Jimmer Fredette is going to have the ball in his hands a whole lot and be pretty successful, like you mentioned. You maybe that like three three percent chance or whatever it was, and like that could lead to wins down the line. But I also do think that it sort of hinders the other guys, like Josh Jackson, T.J. Warren, um, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. It sort of just limits their role, I guess. And especially like if it doesn't work out after the two year contract that he signed, like you, you sort of a two year contract. Yeah, it's not just this year. So it's this year and next year. Good for him. I think. Don't, I'm that. That was like the report i think from like when it first happened but so the way i i guess this is sort of a very basic way of looking at it but in my head i kind of see this going two ways which is either that it doesn't work out and jimmer Fredette is sort of a failure in the nba or nobody else touches the ball enough which is already sort of a problem i think that you know obviously devin booker is putting up his 60 you're saying there's deandre you're saying there's no upside whatsoever not not what i'm saying i think there's a there is still a chance there's no there's no scenario to picking up jimmer fredette where you get something good from it to me those are the two most likely ways this goes that this turns out could there be some sort of third eye third way where like they sort of find this perfect balance, and and Jimmer Fredette is exactly the point guard they needed. Yes. Well, but, do I think that that's okay. very likely? No, because I, I like Jimmer Fredette is not the kind of role player point guard that you that the Suns really need. Okay, but you're saying like if you pick up Jimmer, like everything's gonna go to hell. No, no, like no, but like one, I'm gonna say it's for like a ten games. There are ten games left in the yeah. season, so it's like extreme. It's an it's an experiment, and that's it's fine. an experiment. And also, he's playing like ten minutes a game, and he didn't get into one of the games. I think he's only played two games. I don't. I don't mean. To, I don't mean to say that it's going to be like a massive failure. And this I'm, is going to be saying, a total disaster. It's not like no one's going to get the ball because he's in for ten yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. a game. I, I. I just. What I really mean is that this is that I find it very unlikely that he's going to make some kind of fantastic NBA return in which he becomes you know like an NBA superstar. So we don't or like lives up to his lottery like, pick that he was. And the Suns don't need that. No. No. I'm saying if he but, turns into like early isaiah thomas that'd be good just like someone to come off your bench to be like to give you points but they also don't have a starting point guard right now okay but the suns can take anything like yeah i guess the suns could use any help they can that's fair so so in my in my opinion like i just think that it's like i i I don't think by any means that this is going to turn into like you know just going to make the sun situation far worse than it is right now it can't be because yeah it really can't get much worse but 
I also don't think that this is going to like propel them into playoff success by it. Like that, like I just feel like that's okay, very far fetched, no and no one's, no one's expecting expect- that. No one's expecting okay, that. Okay, then why does it? Okay, fine. My my argument is mostly just that Jimmer Fredette's NBA return more than likely will not be any different than his early NBA playing days. Okay, I think I think history repeats itself. Like that's basically okay. what I'm saying. I don't. I'm not saying that's not likely. I just. I'm saying I I like the fact that a team picked him up because who knows, especially a mm-hmm. team that you have nothing to lose. I think I, I like I I'm kind of optimistic with Jenner with Jimmer. Yeah. I think that I think that especially since the NBA is kind of curved towards shooting and guards, I think that that could enhance his game. I think that maybe he's matured in China. Maybe he hasn't, but maybe he has. Um, kind of like woke up to where. He's yeah. like, look, I'm maybe I'm not gonna be the guy. He's been he spent a lot of time in the G League to where you can be like, you know what? I'm gonna shoot threes because that's what the NBA loves to do, and that's what I love to do. And I'm just gonna try to find a place in the NBA, which yeah. is a lot different than like coming in as a lottery pick. I just I just think that like yes, you're right that like the NBA is more focused on scoring guards who focus on the three pointer. But I also think that his sort of high volume play at his skill level doesn't exactly suit that mold perfectly. Okay, we'll move on. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about now the Yusuf Nurkic injury, which obviously was very gruesome. Lots of comparisons to the Gordon Hayward one from two years ago, I guess it yeah. was. Um, That's so it, bad it's to just, say. It's very heartbreaking. Like more than anything, because I know this is a team that you called one of your contenders in our contenders versus pretenders episode. I at the time thought that was kind of crazy, and still do, even more so now, obviously. But Yusuf Nurkic definitely, if they were to have made a playoff run, Yusuf Nurkic would have been very, very important to that. And I think that now without him, you're forcing guys like Enes Kanter and Zach Collins to be like your starting center, guarding guys like. Steven Adams and you know whoever else they come up in and the, now the I can do all the hypotheticals in the world because if Yusuf that Nurkic is was the play, that the Blazers true. would have won an NBA championship. <laughs> I, you can't, you cannot prove me you know wrong. What? There's, there's no f- hard, hard there's evidence, no evidence to say that that wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, I am, Nurkic? I am very confident in saying that that Yusuf Nurkic is not the difference between. Is not is wouldn't have been enough for them to win an NBA championship. Okay, assuming they don't win one this year anyway. But they who knows who knows, Rip <laughs> City, Rip City. But anyways, to to be serious for a second, I think yeah. Yusuf Nurkic. I think that the Portland Trailblazers could have somehow made it to the Western Conference Finals because over over they teams could like, they could have like they, against it, the Warriors. It was, I'm it guessing. I'm guessing against the Warriors. It wasn't. Yes, it wasn't. It wasn't going to be probable. But I think they could have done it because. They have added a bunch of shooting this year. They've, you, they've added defenders. This team kind of just... It, it was more built for the playoffs than it was last year. Plus, you have like the internal improvement of Zach Collins, uh, Yusuf Nurkic I, I as think that, big men. I think that there's, there was internal improvement, but like, is it better built? Like, What's different? Rodney really? Hood, Seth Curry... Okay. Um, was Seth, Jake, Seth Curry was on the team last no, year? No. We had this conversation <laughs> on last episode. Uh, two episodes ago. Uh, Jake Lehman, all three pretty good shooters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, was Jake Lehman on the team last year? He wasn't a starter. He, he's, he's a starter now? Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, very good. Very good. He, he, he's, uh, like, he's, like, worse Joe Ingles. Um, wait, so they still... What about Al Farouk Aminu? I don't think he starts. 
I'll, I'll look it up, but I'm pretty sure like th- this team that, that just had sad. more shooting. That, but... You still had the same defenders with guys like Al Aminu and and Evan Turner, mm-hmm. and you, of course you have Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and then you have your improved big men picking up Enos Cantor for certain situations in the playoffs, given that he can play. Ah, and I just think that... playoff Enos Cantor will not be a success. <laughs> so I hate to break it to you, but uh, I don't love that idea. <laughs> I think that Ennis Cantor in the pick and roll is just a it's just a nightmare. <laughs> okay, well, especially like on the okay, he was on the roster, so who knows? I mean, <laughs> and also like like Ennis Cantor is a fantastic offensive rebounder, but the fall off between Yusuf Nurkic and a as an as a defensive rebounder and Ennis Cantor, I think, is pretty significant. And I also don't think that like if you actually look at statistically Yusuf Nurkic and Damian Lillard were like the best duo I, I was, in like the pick uh, and roll or something yeah, like that I was about to bring that up and so you had the, yeah this season second best uh, pick and roll combo Yusuf Nurkic Damian Lillard that's not all Damian Lillard you've seen that Yusuf Nurkic he's, second you said second yeah, best second best I think I don't know behind him. yeah but that's not all Damian Lillard yeah I mean that's that he's only half of yeah it. He, he's yeah I mean he's more than half of it but okay yeah but he's one of two people in it but yes he's more than half of like isn't he's better yeah but you've seen that like Yusuf Nurkic is the kind of the perfect situation he's like more offense and less defense version of Steven Adams to where he's like he can play both ends in the playoffs where you can put him in in crunch time when teams go to smaller lineups and he can also give you a lot on offense in that he, he can just like play both ways against teams out west that have a lot of either like roll uh, rim running big men or just go small ball with the Warriors. And it just kills me because I think that I, I'm a firm believer that the Trailblazers could have got definitely to the second round, maybe to the Western Conference. Who would be finals. the teams they were matching up against in the first round? Um, Clippers. You could have them because they're okay, the I can see right I can now. see them beating the Clippers. I don't. I'm not high on the Clippers really you, at all. You could have you could have the Spurs, Jazz. I don't know if they would beat the Jazz in a series. I didn't even realize Trailblazers are three seed right now. Yes, so like they're really I thought they, good. I was thinking they were still like they're four really or five. Good. Yeah. Um. You have Spurs. I think they could beat in a series. OKC. I don't know. And Jazz. Spurs. I don't. And Jazz. I don't know. Spurs. I. I think, yeah, I think they could beat the Spurs, but, like, you can never count on Greg Popovich. Clippers, I would have the Trailblazers beating. Thunder, I'd take the Thunder. With or without Nurkic? With, with or without Nurkic. That's okay. I, I, I could see it. I think now I'm picking the Thunder over the Blazers without Nurkic. I'm probably picking the Spurs over the Blazers without Nurkic. Literally everyone in the playoffs except for the Clippers, which kind of sucks. But, yeah, um, yeah just... Just get get better, Nurkic. Apparently, I know you read into the injury. Yeah, the injury itself was something like a broken tibia, so not the not his ankle quite like Gordon Hayward was, but sort of I guess his shin or like whatever is just above his ankle. And I know I forget his name. Guy on YouTube who's a doctor who does all kinds of videos <laughs> on this. Basically, very interesting stuff. But he was talking about how the how your bones are actually very strong in terms of taking pressure that is like vertical and that's why you know you can jump and land and feel like nothing but when your bones sort of come down in an awkward angle where they start to twist your bones are actually not strong at all so i guess that sort of twisting motion that in which he kind of landed on someone's shoe and then he was also you know like all 250 270 pounds of him are like falling at a little bit of a weird angle where he's falling more on one foot than the other caused enough of like a 
twist that it wasn't just that ability of the bone to just take like a vertical pressure that, that of you landing, but also sort of like a sideways thing that caused his shin to literally just snap, which is pretty gruesome. Yeah. And just sort of a freak injury. But, uh, and that has been anatomy with Connor Flannery. Yeah. And we for... hope <laughs> Yusuf Nurkic gets better <laughs> and rest up yeah. and trailblazers Nate. Okay. Right. Moving on Lonzo ball and the BBB scandal. Uh, basically, if you haven't heard, Alan Foster, who was, I forget the exact the position. The manager the, or something like the that. The private manager. Not, yeah. Not the agent, but the private manager with the BBB company. Big with, baller brand. Yeah. Was supposedly laundering and kind of like did, can't account for $1.5 million of profits. And of Lonzo Ball's money. Of Lonzo Ball's money and also the big baller brand money. Yeah, he was basically like he was pulling some shady stuff in which he kind of just stole money right off of the Ball brothers' hands. And I guess he sort of, I heard somewhere that like he almost had like a, some kind of like criminal record or something like in, in yeah. sort of doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. And that LaVar continued to like trust him and hire him anyway, which I don't know. That's sus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he knew him for a while. Which yeah. I think. But this, I guess, sort of betrayal by Alan Foster, who there was that reality TV show like Ball in the Family or something, and you know at all times that Alan Foster was like was in the family's house, was a big part of their day to day life, and like they were they had a very good relationship with him. Clearly on the TV show, I guess it would. I kind of feel. I think that you kind of feel like stabbed in the back if all of a sudden you feel like this guy. You find out this guy is stealing money from you, um, and that's sort of been a big scandal. Is now that. They figure this out. Lonzo Ball and his brothers have sort of cut themselves off from LeVar, Alan Foster, and the Big Baller brand itself, like, in all ways. Yeah, and here's what I want to say. This is this is the truth about Lonzo Ball. I think that he's starting to do it, but one of the reasons that he's kind of had some trouble in his career is you see him in every interview, and he's mm. just cool, calm, collected, not, yeah. like... You would not think that he had one percent of Lavar's blood inside of him. Yeah, his his hype and his like, that his brand around yes. him is so much bigger than his yes. personality. Exactly. You have Lavar Ball around him. You have Los Angeles. He was drafted to L.A. Yeah. while also having Magic Johnson, the best point guard of all time. <laughs> Literally, what Lonzo Ball? If Lonzo Ball just achieved his potential twenty times, that's what Magic Johnson would be. Trades the best player on the Lakers essentially for you to to draft you D'Angelo Russell to the yes the Nets for to yeah. draft you and to put that pressure on your shoulders by saying we had to trade D'Angelo Russell because we want a leader in Lonzo Ball that yeah. is too much and finally you see that Lonzo Ball is actually taking the initiative he's deleted all the Instagram posts of LeVar Ball or of Alan Foster or of BBB from his Instagram his most recent Instagram post uh, has one of the Nike quotes. It's a. It's only a crazy dream until you do it. So just do it. Mm. And which I assume he's going to go to Nike, which is yeah. good mainstream. LeBron James, whatever you want. It. He's got it. He's got to just cut it off. It's got to be over. It's. It's. I, I think I saw Charles Barkley call Levar Ball an a hole. Yeah. Like. Yes, like yeah, that's the first it's, time I've ever agreed with Charles a, Barkley. It's about time, yeah, and it's, it's it's gonna be. I think it's just gonna be incredible for all three of the Ball brothers' basketball careers that they don't have Lavar Ball breathing down their neck anymore. Um, I agree. Just because like Lonzo can step a bit out of the spotlight, 
LaMelo Ball has this weird situation right now where he like may not be eligible to play NCAA basketball. And I feel like if LeVar's not in the picture, it's a lot more likely that he figures out something. And for LiAngelo Ball, I guess sort of at every point of his career, he's made the wrong decision of like where to go play, you know, whether it be in Lithuania or in the JBA, like yeah. Now that Lavar Ball isn't making those decisions for him, I feel like it'll just they'll they'll make their own decisions and they'll make better decisions. But now that they have like a real agent and a real like group of supervisors and people making suggestions, then they're crazy lunatic. Like I just want attention, Dad. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. So that's basically the big baller brand scandal. Yeah. Is uh, they got money stolen and now they don't talk to their dad anymore. Which is kind of unfortunate when you say it like that, but hopefully it helps their basketball careers. That's sort of a... That's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Moving on. LeBron James is sitting out the rest of the season. This report actually just happened today, Saturday, March 30th. And I personally, I have no problem with this whatsoever. I know before the episode, Connor Flannery was talking about maybe that's kind of not okay. Uh, I mean... I just think there are so many people who are just diehard LeBron James fans and have been saving up to you know buy a, to buy a ticket to the Lakers game to go see LeBron, and people who just tune in every night to see LeBron play and the be- that he's the best player in the world. There's so many people who are just so attached to him and people who travel from like halfway across the world to go like vi- see him play. So I just think there's going to be a lot of heartbroken fans who like, especially because they didn't make the playoffs, who really just want to see LeBron James play, whether it be live, whether it be on TV, who now aren't going to have that opportunity. And I, I, while I understand, like, yes, he's kind of becoming an older guy and he needs rest. And also, why would you play him when you're not in the playoffs and wouldn't you just want a better draft pick? I totally understand it from the Lakers' perspective. It also, though, like, from the perspective of the NBA fan base as a whole, kind of sucks. Yeah, like if you're if you're I always see like these signs like LeBron I traveled X yeah. amount of miles to see you play. I can't imagine what that would like, be like. I just I like I just go to my head thinking about like some person who's like that who has been planning for all year, all t- you know, for 10 years or whatever it be to go see LeBron James play or you know, travel from Europe or Asia or whatever, you know, I don't know, like travel from around the world to go see this one game only to find out like he's not even going to be playing. I've been to a Knicks game where Porzingis wasn't playing. I knew, yeah. but the arena was just a little bit dead. So yeah. So I feel like that could be what happens in LA. Yeah. So yikes. Yeah, it it, it kind of hurts, I guess, for the for the NBA fans who were hoping to see him play. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's all. Uh, that's all I really wanted to talk about today. All right. Are you good? Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on Apple iTunes, uh, subscribe and leave a rating. And if you're listening on YouTube, leave a like and subscribe. That'd be appreciated. Links to social media are below Instagram at Space the Floor Podcast and on Twitter at Space the Floor. And we hope you enjoyed. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace.